You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. 13 Folds. Each fold, a reminder of a life spent in service. Service to country, service to people, protecting God-given rights, preserving freedoms. Thirteen folds. At each fold, we remember the friends and family left behind, the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, sons and daughters left to pick up the pieces. Thirteen folds, and we remember the scriptures. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Each one loved greatly. We also remember that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And today we pray, God be near those who need comfort. So, draw close to those who mourn. Make your presence and appreciation known. Let this church be a safe place, a comforting place. And let us honor those who have given their lives in service to this country. Thirteen folds to signify a life given to service. Amen. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Uh, what, a, what a powerful video. This weekend, obviously, is Memorial Day, and most of us have the day off tomorrow, and hopefully you'll have a chance tomorrow to spend some time with family and friends, neighbors, maybe grilling out. If you are, you can send me a text later, and I'd be glad to show up and, and be quality control for you. But as we go about our day tomorrow, and as we kind of take a break from work uh, I just hope that you'll take a second at some point during the day uh, to pause and remember those who have fallen, those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, and maybe look for a chance tomorrow at some point to lift up a prayer and just thank God uh, for those that that give us our freedom, that, that make that ultimate sacrifice. So, yeah, happy Memorial Day. So two things. Uh, before we get started with the service that I want to share with you. One, in the foyer, we have a table set up where you can sign up for life groups. And life groups are such an important part of what we do here. They're kind of central to what we're doing here. Life groups are an opportunity for you to deepen relationships with other people in the church, right? We're created to live inside the context of relationships. We're created in the image of a God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that exists in the context of relationship. Therefore, we're supposed to live in the context of relationship and this is an opportunity for you to build relationships and your, for your relationships with others in the church to deepen. Uh, and it's also a chance for you to grow in your faith, um, to, to wrestle with scripture together with other people, to support one another, to pray with one another. Uh, so do not leave today without visiting that table and signing up for one of our summer life groups. We'd love to have you be a part of what we're doing uh, in our life groups. Last thing, today is the final day to register for Tanglewood Christian Camp and get the cheap price. The price goes up tomorrow, goes up after midnight. So if you've not registered your kids or your students for Tanglewood Christian Camp, you can do that online. It's really, really simple. You can go on and 
even if you can't pay the whole thing now, make sure that you make a deposit so you have your spot. We know that you're going so we can get you signed up uh, under the cheaper price. I don't know what it goes up to uh, tomorrow, but it goes up. So make sure that you save some money. Be frugal, be a good steward by signing up today. Sign your kids up today uh, before you go to bed. Does that make sense? All right, if you would, stand with me. We'll pray, and then we'll, we'll begin our worship. Father, we thank you for today, a day that we can come together and, uh, Father, worship together, worship in community, uh, worship in the context of relationships. Father, where we can, we can come to you and thank you for all the things you've done for us in the past week, all the things you've given to us. Father, all the things you provide for us, that we can come together and thank you for those things, and we can celebrate the work that you're doing in each one of our lives and here in the, the community of Cypher Christian Church. Uh, we come to you thankful this morning. Um, and Father, we pause and just thank you for uh, the men and women who have, uh, who have paid the ultimate sacrifice that have allowed us this opportunity to come here this morning uh, and worship. Not everybody in the world gets to do that. Not everybody has that opportunity. But because of so many that have given their lives, we, we can be here today uh, worshiping together. So Father, thank you for those people. Father, we give you this, this worship service as offering. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each and every one of you here this morning. It's good to worship with you and for all of us to lift up our voice. We're going to kind of direct our attention here just for a moment to the book of Ephesians as we prepare to collect our offering and just to kind of reframe why we're here. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. This is bad news. This is the bad news. That we, apart from God, are all dead in our trespasses. We are all dead in our sins. The ways of the world in which we walked But here's the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ in verse four, but God, comma, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised, raised us with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is where our worship flows from. This is where our joy, our gratitude, our thankfulness, this is where it all comes from, the immeasurable riches that are in Christ Jesus, the grace that we have found in him. That though we were dead in our trespasses, though we were dead in our sins, Though it was over for us, Christ raised us from the dead and gave us life and has given us hope and has given us joy. How great is his faithfulness that he would do this even when we were enemies of him, that he would welcome us in as sons and daughters of God. And so this is where our worship flows from. And we're gonna continue our worship as we give to him out of that joy, out of that thankfulness, out of that hope that we have, that this isn't all there is, 
that there's more. One day we will be standing in the midst of the immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Will you pray with me as we prepare to give? God, we thank you for the great love that you have shown us in Christ Jesus. Great love that is greater than any of our sin, that is greater than our past, that is greater than our present, that is greater than our circumstance, God, that is greater than our grip on you. Your love is greater than our grip. And so we don't have to strive, we don't have to work harder, we don't have to to do more and be better. We can rest in the grace of Jesus Christ that secured our salvation. And so today, Lord, out of that that well of joy we give to you because we're a thankful people. Lord, we know that you you are faithful. You are always so faithful to the end and beyond. And so we give these offerings to you, Lord, to bless your name and to go out and to bless your kingdom. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna move into our communion time. We take communion here at CFCC every Sunday. And we've said before, it's not always at the center of our service, but it's always central to our service. We receive this this sacred emblem, these holy symbols, the, the bread and the cup, they remind us of something that is so central to our faith. Today is the day before Memorial Day. As Jeff said, a weekend where we get to celebrate the the freedoms that we have in this country because of the people who have laid down their lives for that freedom, and we remember them. The book of John says that greater love hath no man than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. And so we're thankful for those who laid down their lives for our freedom, but it, it started with Jesus. We love, John says later in one of his epistles, because he first loved us. And so in the book of Luke, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. It says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this, And divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's give thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus. God, we thank you for the love that you laid down, for the life that you laid down for the blood that you poured out so that we might have life. While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, God, you came to this earth, condescended down to this dusty place and walked among us and showed us, not just showed us, but, but became the way that we might have life. And so as we believers in Christ take these simple symbols 
we're reminded of what it took for us to have this life. And Lord, don't let it be lost on us today. Don't let us be complacent or content with our gratitude. But would you grow that joy in us? Would you grow that gratitude within us where we might see even just a glimpse, even just a shadow of what you did for us on the cross. I pray that as we take of these emblems that Lord, that we would be covered in your grace, that those who feel far off would feel welcome, that those who feel shame and guilt, that that would be removed and they would feel forgiveness, that they would know mercy in you and that we wouldn't walk out of here in despair, but that we would walk out with hope. Don't let it be lost on us today, God. We thank you for the life that you laid down for us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all getting tired of me coming up here yet? (laughs) I feel like I've already talked a lot. You got a lot left, so brace yourself. Well, again, good morning, and thank you for being here this morning. Excited um, to go through today's message with you. Excited to reveal uh, what God is saying in the scriptures, and um, with open hearts and the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to receive what He is speaking to us today, and it'll be just as real to us now as it was two thousand years ago. That's the truth, that the scripture is, is living and active. That's what Hebrews says. It's living and active, that, that as you read scripture, it's, it's more so that scripture is reading you. And there's this dialogue, there's this interchange, this sort of sacred exchange that happens when we read the Holy Scriptures. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna be faithful to that and speak to us today, regardless of how bad this sermon is, uh, re- regardless of how, how, how much we get in the way, that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to our hearts here this morning. We've been, over the past few weeks, we've been in the midst of a, of a series called Balanced, and we've been trying to discover how to, um, to, to gain and maintain financial balance in our lives. And this isn't some kind of like seminar on how to, how to make more money. Uh, we truly believe here at Cypher Christian Church that if we're to be fully devoted disciples of Jesus, that that entails our whole lives. It can't just, it can't just be a portion of it. It can't just be a part of our lives. And God has given us resources and gifts and talents and abilities. And if we're really and truly to be fully devoted disciples of Jesus, then we're gonna use everything that we have to fully glorify God because he's worthy of that, right? And so we're gonna try and find balance in our lives so that we can leverage the things that he's given us, the things that he's blessed us with to fully glorify him. And so over the past couple of weeks, uh, we've, uh, we've been looking at this and week one, we learned that our personal finances matter to God. 
It's again, not just this part of our lives that's segmented and sort of kept over here, but that our personal finances actually matter to God. He's invited us into a relationship where we make our love for money subservient to our love for him. That we actually make our our love for money less than and below our love for him. That that is first and foremost. God wants our hearts. And so we learned that our personal finances matter to God. The second thing that we did was we, we established a clear objective. What is it that we are to do with our money? And we looked at scripture and it was simple. The objective is very clear in scripture. Our objective is to honor God. Our objective is to honor God with our resources, with our abilities, with our talents. We must stop serving our stuff and start serving God. The third thing that we learned last week was to make constant corrections. The you know, your, your Visa card tells you to buy now and pay later. Home Depot tells you to buy now, pay later. Kohl's tells you to buy now and pay later. But that buy now, pay later mentality too often corrupts into binge now and pain later. And so when we become a slave to the lender, you can't use the money that, that God has given you for the purposes that he gave to you. You can't use the, the, the resources and, and the money that he has, he has entrusted to you for the things that you're convicted about because now you're a slave to debt. So this was a really challenging one for us. And today I'm gonna talk to you about the extra in our lives. What do we do with the extra in our lives? Why? Why would we, why would we talk about this? Why? What's the purpose? Why? Because what I do with the extra in my life reveals something about my heart. Now, I know all of you guys are, have just money bags laying around like Thurston Howe III, right, from Gilligan's Island. Remember the episode where he was cleaning it and drying it on the clothesline? Remember that? I'm sure you guys just have money bags. You're like Scrooge McDuck. You've got all this money lying all over the place. Well, that's probably not the case. And you're saying, I, I really, I, I don't know that this message is really for me. I don't have a lot of extra. I don't have a whole lot of stuff just laying around. You know, I can't just buy whatever I want. It's not growing on trees. But I want to convince you today that you do. That you do have extra and if you don't believe me, I'm going to ask a couple of questions that I want you to use to just sort of evaluate, evaluate your life and maybe evaluate where you have the extra. First thing I'm going to ask you is, do you have a Starbucks habit? How many of you have a coffee habit? Yeah, some of, some of us, man, it's part of our morning routine. We've got to stop by Starbucks on the way. Maybe you even buy it on the app before you get there. You walk in, you, and then in the afternoon, you kind of kind of start to crash, and you've got to go get a little afternoon coffee. If you have a Starbucks habit, you have extra. You have extra. How many of you subscribe to Netflix? Okay. As we get further along, you may not want to raise your hands. I'm just going <laughs> to... Subscription to Netflix. Cable. 
satellite, direct TV, sports package, premium package, any of those things. If you've got a cable subscription, I guarantee you have extra. I guarantee you have extra. Speaking of that kind of stuff, how many of you have seen a movie in the last month? Yeah, there was a big movie that came out this weekend that a lot of us went to, lined up for. If you go see movies, you've got extra. How many of you go out to eat to restaurants once a week, Friday night thing? Man, just... It's just something that, you know, it kind of helps me unwind. You know, I enjoy going out to eat, okay? Maybe you say, I don't, I don't really go out to eat. What about Chick-fil-A? Ooh, that's <laughs> sacred ground there. I don't want to mess with that. Maybe you go to fast food. Maybe you drop by a Whataburger. Maybe you go by, I don't know why you go to Burger King, but maybe you go to Burger King or maybe you go to McDonald's or those places. If you go out to eat, you have extra. And speaking of food, how many of you have garbage disposals? Garbage disposals? Why do you bring up garbage disposals? Well, what do you put in a garbage disposal? What do you put in it? Your extra, right? You put your extra in it. Half the time, it's just food that was left over in the fridge that we didn't eat. Or it's extra food off our plates that we scrape into the garbage. Your garbage disposal is eating better than most people in this world. How many have two cars? You got two cars? Two cars? Maybe you have a third car. Maybe you have a third car for your teenager. If you have multiple cars, you have extra. (laughs) You have extra. You are part of an elite group of people in the world that have multiple, multiple cars. How many of you have had a garage sale? Or maybe you're thinking about having a garage sale. Maybe you have a storage unit. If you have a storage unit, you've got extra. (laughs) Storage units are one of the fastest growing businesses in the United States. In just the five mile radius around my house, we'll drive through and go, oh look, they're clearing out. That's gonna be a nice little storage, storage place. They're all storage units. They're now building them up instead of out. What do you put in a storage unit? Your extra. What do you sell in a garage sale? Your extra. It's extra because you didn't even know you had it. You didn't even remember you had it until you started cleaning out all the junk in your house and realized you had extra. Now, the ultimate extra, how many of you have clothes or shoes in your closet that still have the price tag on them? Don't raise your hands. That's the case you've got extra in your life. And what I do with that extra reveals something about my heart. What I'd like for you to do is as you're thinking through this, I'd like you to begin categorizing the things that you own or the things that you you have, the things that you possess in two categories, needs versus desires. Needs versus desires and put them into two categories. Now it's interesting, if you were to make a list Right now, your list in 2018 would be much longer than it would have been in 1918. Your list probably would have been a lot shorter. 
And in 1918, had you made this list of things that you need versus things that you desire, that list would have been much longer than the list you might have made in 70 AD, around the time that Jesus lived. But if we were objective, if we were completely objective, the list would be simple. We need God, we need love, we need relationships, we need meaningful work, we need food, we need clothing, and we need shelter. And the rest of what we call needs, things that are necessary to our lives, are instead desires that the ad execs on Madison Avenue have caused us to feel and and make us think that these things are needs and necessary. You know what they call this? They have a term for it. This makes you kind of angry when you think about it. They They have a term for this that the ad execs in New York City used to to term this, they call it need creation. They use marketing and advertisements to make you think that you need something that you had never even considered before. And if we listen to these ads, we would do well to refrain from these and sort of just stay away from it as much as possible because if we listen to them, our financial margin soon disappears and we begin chasing a satisfaction that we're never gonna find. We're never gonna find it. Dale's gonna talk about this a little bit more next Sunday. But the things that people really want in life, the things that you really want are life and love, friendship, respect, family, good standing, and fun. We want that, right? But those things can't be bought in the market. The best things in life are free. You've heard that, right? And so something isn't priced, you can't buy it. And so having lots of money isn't gonna do you any good. The point is here that we all have extra in our lives and either we consume it all now or our plan is to consume it later or for our kids to consume it later. We're gonna look at a scripture here today. You can go ahead and turn to it. Luke chapter 12. We're gonna be focusing, starting in verse 16. I wanna give it a little context though before we do that. Jesus addresses the extra in our lives. He addresses all of the abundance we have. And, And at this point in his ministry, thousands are gathering around him and he's preaching to these people. Now these aren't the, the elite upper class. The people that he's preaching to are the poor. These people are under foreign domination and they have been overtaxed. In some cases, triple taxed. And what does Jesus preach about? The extra in their lives. Now if these people have extra in our lives, and I don't think we can remove ourselves from this message here today. If there's something that they can receive from it, then I think that there's something that we can receive from it today. And so in this, in this big crowd, Jesus says to them, he says in verse 15, this is sort of the context for the rest of this passage, he says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness or greed. Those words have, a, have a, a slight difference, but in this case, they're virtually interchangeable. The desire to want more. Be on guard against all covetousness 
Then he says this, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. The measuring stick for success is not a bunch of stuff. You don't have to have it all to survive. And that's what we think. You know, we, we feel like we have to have these things. It's like air, it's like water, it's like it's food. These are things that I have to have that we hoard. And Jesus says, no, your life is not defined by that. Your life does not consist of those things. The, the young urban professionals would say that money is life's report card. That's sort of the maxim by which they live by, that money is is life's report card. So society has captivated us with money. I mean, that's where all of our focus, that's where all of our attention goes to. And so what better way, society says, to become secure than to have more money and to have more stuff? But just as riches don't equal righteousness, your wealth doesn't equal your life. Just as riches don't equal righteousness, and I think many of us here would go, okay, I I get that, I've heard that, I believe that, somewhere deep down inside. Just as riches don't equal righteousness, your wealth doesn't equal your life. The things that you have, your possessions, don't equal your life. And so the question then, if that's the case, is what do you value more? Do you value righteousness more or do you value possessions more? Do you value your life more than your stuff? Jesus plainly says here in this, this passage right here, he says that your life is not measured by your money or the abundance of your possessions. And so all of you I know are just saying, yeah, of course, of course. My life doesn't equal my possessions. I get that. I know that logically, that absolutely. Why are we even talking about this? Well, you and I read in the newspapers and saw on the news and maybe have even seen in stories more recently that people have, have ended up taking their lives because they lost all of their wealth. In 2009, right after the stock market crash, in 2009, it led to a 5,000 5, additional suicides that year. There was an increase, a jump in suicides that year. There was a 9% increase in the US and Canada and a 13.3 increase in the EU. These people who had this stockpile, that had this future, that had all of these things planned out and felt secure and when they lost it all, They felt like there was nothing worth living for. What does that mean? It means that their life consisted of their possessions. So this is something that that logically we know, but practically we don't live it out like that. We know that our life doesn't exist, consist of our possessions, but we don't practically live it out that way. And so Jesus tells them a parable. I love this, a storyteller. He tells them this story, an exaggerated story, to make his point. In verse 16, he 
told them this parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and goods. Now what do you, what do you store? What do you put in a storage facility? We already established this, your extra. So this farmer has had this, this banner crop year. And Jesus, he says, keep an eye on your extra to get to the truth here. And so in this farmer's life, keep your eye on the extra. Rather than letting all of his resources waste away, he goes, I know. I'll tear down, I've got barn one, two, and three, and they're so full, I don't have any room for all of this stuff, and so I'll tear those down and build these giant barns to store all of my extra. And it's perfectly normal, it's perfectly logical, makes sense, but it's the rationale behind this that's the problem. The, the rationale, the desire, the desire for the end result is, is really the problem here. You may have a great plan. Man, you, you've got, a, you, you got your future secure, not only for you, you're right on track. Everything is coming together. Things are not only looking good for you now, they're looking good for you later and even good for your children later, maybe your grandchildren later. And you say, I've got enough to consume now and I have enough to consume later and maybe even more than that. And isn't that the point of having extra is to consume it now or to consume it later? Let's keep reading. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, the farmer says, thinking, man, I'm really in a good place. This is, this is a good thing that has happened to me. Soul You have ample goods laid up for many years. You have extra goods. You have an abundance of goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. God says, you fool. And I imagine the people that were standing on that hillside as they hear this story, they go, wait a second. Okay, in our culture, when a guy is blessed with abundance, when he's blessed with, especially in an agricultural society, God sends the rain, God God provides the sun and his crop grows. Man, this guy's been blessed. He's obviously doing something right here. Here's a man that appears to be wise, he appears to be responsible and secure, and you're telling me he's a fool? God's assessment here is different. It's different from this world. And just like now, uh, the, the, the people you know, that saw people who'd been blessed with abundance, saw them as blessed by God, even in our culture today, we sort of see it that way as well, don't we? There are even churches that proclaim that if you have enough faith, 
if you believe in God enough that you will be blessed with material possessions. It's called the prosperity gospel, and it's nowhere in Scripture. It's not found anywhere in Scripture that if you just try and have enough faith, you're going to have a nice car, and you're going to have a a good income, and you're going to have a big house, and you're going to have all of these things if you have enough faith. But if you watch closely enough, you know that this is not true. If you're reading your Bible, you know that this is not true. Because some of the wealthiest people in the world are pagans. And some of the richest people in the world are atheists. And you may be a follower of Christ and you, you go, man, I'm a good person. I, go, I believe in Jesus. And I... And I, and I I pray and I, I bring others to Christ and I read my Bible and I have a relationship with God. Why do all these other unbelievers have so much? And the reason is because the amount of money or stuff that you have is not necessarily a reflection of God's blessing. But we sort of buy into that. Man, if a person has a lot of money, then they've obviously done something right and they're blessed by God. There is a televangelist, I read an article actually this week, a televangelist, very popular, obviously, very popular televangelist who has just gone to his congregation and has said that God is leading him, telling him to purchase a $54 million jet. $54 $54 million jet. Now, here's the thing. He's act, he actually has jets. He's had three jets in his life. And he says, I've been burning them out for Jesus, flying all over the world to proclaim the gospel. But the reason that he needs this jet is because he won't have to stop and refuel. He can fly to wherever he goes nonstop. And so he's even said even quoted in this article, said that if Jesus were alive today, he wouldn't be riding a mule, he'd be riding a jet. The same Jesus that lived with the poor, the same Jesus that had no place to lay his head, the same Jesus that that walked around in, in rags, this Jesus, this same Jesus is the one that he's talking about. And this is a message that's not just proclaimed in the prosperity gospel, something that's sort of easy to identify. It's proclaimed in other subtle ways in our society, and we buy into it little by little by little, that the more stuff you have, the more blessed you are by God, and it's all for us to consume now or to consume later. But God is looking down on this farmer, and he's saying, I gave you the rain, I gave you the soil, I gave you the sun, you fool. I don't want to make anybody upset in here today, but maybe God is looking at you and saying, you fool. You say, I'm taking care of my family. I'm, I'm becoming secure. I'm, I'm providing for three generations of my family. People look at me and they wonder how I've made all of this and done all of this and accumulated all of this. I'm asked to speak at different places because I've, I've been able to 
possess all of these things and do all of these things and accomplish all of these things. But God says, you fool. And you say, why am I a fool? If that's, if, if, if that's the case, why, how can I be a fool? And the answer is because you haven't figured out why he's given you extra. Through the world's perspective, you might be somebody who's envied because of your things and your stuff. You might feel good about yourself when you compare yourself to other people. If that's the case, we bought into the lie. And the bottom line, if that's the case for you, the bottom line means that your stuff equals your life. If that's the case, that's the bottom line. Your life equals your stuff and you serve your stuff. And this is another form of slavery. We talked about the, the debtor being slave to the lender. This is another form of slavery. This is where you are enslaved to your stuff, not to the debtor or not to the, not to the, the creditor, but you're enslaved to your money. You're enslaved to your possessions. Now, let me stop in case you're already tuning me out. God doesn't call this man a fool because he's rich. He doesn't say that. He calls him a fool because he doesn't understand why he has the extra. That's the point. Jesus says, you want to see the truth? Then look at what you do with your extra. And that's the big extra that you have. That's the, that's the lump sum. That's the giant extra you have. And that's the small extra. Remember who he's preaching to. He's preaching to the poor. None of us, none of us, none of us, none of us are excluded from this. We all have extra. We might be in difficult times. We might be in tough times, but all of us have extra. And so what you do with that extra, whether it's a big extra or small extra, reveals something about your heart. Verse 21 I don't even know if anybody's paying attention to me anymore. <laughs> Verse 21, he says, this night, the Lord says to this farmer, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? He says to the farmer, you are out of time even though you are not out of money. And who will get those things when your soul is required of you? Who will get those things? The answer is someone else. And they will get those things not, not because you, farmer, are generous. They will get those things because you, farmer, are dead. Because you couldn't let go of your extra. This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And he says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is how it will be for those who are not rich toward God, total loss. Now, let me pause here again. Jesus is not preaching against future financial security for you. He wants us to be planful. He wants us in other places in scripture. He talks about being a good steward and a manager of your money, okay? This is not, Jesus is not preaching against preparing for the future financially. But he says, this is how it will be for those who think everything that they have 
and everything that they own is for their own consumption, either now or later. And so he says, just don't be rich toward yourself. Don't be rich toward yourself. Be rich toward God. So if you recognize this in your life, and this, we gotta take a hard look at ourselves here, right? Because none of us wanna see ourselves like this. We gotta take a hard look at ourselves. Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we really need God to reveal this from our hearts. It's not just gonna take us looking at ourselves because we're not gonna be able to see it as objectively. But if you feel that this is something in your life and you wanna overcome it, you first need to understand the power of the money in your life, the power of the possessions you have in your life. You need to understand its power and confront it and with the help of God, demolish it. And so how is it possible to, to break such, if, if that's the case, of substantial power that money and possessions hold over us? Jesus provides us the answer here in the next verse. A little further down in verse 33. He says, are you ready for this? He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do you break the power that money and stuff has over you? You give it away. Now, you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Just back up, just a second. Are you telling me I gotta sell everything? Are you telling me I gotta give it all away? No, that's not what I'm telling you. Take a deep breath. This is not the story of the rich young ruler. This is a different context. Sell the things that you don't need. Give away your extra, okay? Choose to give even when you are in need. Make it a way of of life, a generous life, a giving life. Don't just give when it's convenient for you. Make it a discipline in your life. In God's economy, you take the extra that you don't need and you give it to the people who are in need. Now, this doesn't mean give away your junk. (laughs) This doesn't mean give away your junk that you can't give to anybody. That's not what I'm saying. But with the extra God has provided you, give it to those in need. There's a quote here uh, that I want to read to you. Before you put it up on the screen, uh, it says this. There is one act which profanes the power of money. There's one act which one act which violates the power of money. It demolishes the power of money. It, it, it diminishes it. It, 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 it. it completely unravels the power of money by going against, going directly against the law of money. An act for which money is not made. Follow me? The act is giving. Think about it. There's one act that you can do that takes away the power of money, that goes directly against 
the reason money was made. And the act is giving. Now, you go, okay, of course you're going to find that quote. Of course you're going to find that quote. You're a preacher, you're a pastor at a church, this is a sermon, you're talking about, you just want, okay, here's the thing. Now you can put the quote up. Is it up there? This is a quote by a French sociologist. This is someone who has seen how money and possessions can corrupt people, how their desire for more things and more money actually leads to more anxiety and more stress and the need for more, it's insatiable. And so Jesus is saying, don't forget to be rich toward God because if you're only rich toward yourself, you're saying your life is measured by your possessions. So be rich toward God. You've been given talents and abilities and resources and opportunities in this country. Be rich toward God. And if you don't think you have any extra, here's the thing. If you don't think you have any extra, here's why. It seems like that everything that you have is for your personal consumption and that you can't make it, you can't live. It's become like air. It's become like water for you and you have to have this to live and that means your life is being measured by your possessions. When we give money away, when we give possessions away, when we give our extra away, it neutralizes the power of money. And it brings it under the lordship of Jesus. The love of riches. This is why Jesus talks about it so much. He talks about, he talks about money more in the New Testament than almost any other topic. And this is because the love of money chokes out the seed of the gospel in our lives and it keeps us from being fruitful. And so what I do with the extra in my life reveals something about my heart. And so I have a challenge for you as we close here today. I have a challenge for you. I want you to figure out some homework, okay? And yeah, when I say this, your eyes may glaze over (laughs) or you may take the challenge. You may think about it later this week or at the end of the month. I want you to figure out how many dollars you gave away last year. Most of us think that we're more generous than we really are, right? When we look in the mirror, we don't see a greedy person. We don't see a stingy person. We see, man, that's, that's a really good person. That's a really generous person. That's a really gracious person. But on average, most Americans give around 2%. A uh, little side note here, politicians are the worst. They give even less than that. Most Americans give about 2% of their income away. What I want you to do is I want you to add up all that you gave last year. Not how many dollars, I want you to figure out not how many dollars, I want you to figure out what percentage of your income that is. And then I want you to choose a percent to give away. I want you to choose a percent to give away. Instead of letting your money choose for you, Instead of, instead of just sort of letting your money go or letting your money sit over somewhere, I want you to choose to pre-decide what you're going to do with that money. And I want you to choose to give it away. I dare you to find out.
how much you gave last year and choose a percent this year and give it away. Oof. Feel the heartburn rising up? You're predeciding to be rich toward God. And if we don't choose, we're letting money have the power over us. If we don't predecide, we're letting the money choose for us. And so make a decision to be rich toward God. And you're saying through your actions that I'm not gonna live as if I have to have all I have to survive. You're picking a percentage and giving it first. And by doing this, you're making one of those constant corrections that Dale talked about last week or a couple of weeks ago. You're making a correction in your life. Prying your fingers off the greed of your possessions. And when you start giving to those in need because you have more than you need, you follow through on this and you're gonna have more peace and you're gonna have less anxiety. I promise you, I promise you. It's what we find in scripture. Let's stop putting our peace in things and our possessions, but start resting in God, satisfying our needs, meeting our needs, giving us daily bread. Choose to stop living as if your life consists of your possessions. Be rich toward God. This isn't a really emotional sermon. This isn't one that really tugs at the heartstrings but it tugs at sort of the center of where we are, right? I mean, it, it touches some buttons that are maybe a little sensitive. Maybe it didn't pull on some heartstrings. Maybe it touches some nerves. And maybe you recognize yourself in some of this. And maybe you don't know Christ. And you want to know peace. Maybe you felt anxiety. Maybe you feel too attached to your things. And so I want to provide you here at the end of the service. I'm going to call our prayer partners to come up to the front. And the band's going to come out. We're going to sing a last song. And just, just to declare to God that this is what we want. And though our spirit is willing, our flesh is weak, and we need the strength of God to help us do some of these things. If you've never known a peace, you've never known a life without anxiety. You're tired of being slave to the lender. I want you to come and accept Jesus into your heart. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And he wants peace for you. He wants rest for you. Our prayer partners are gonna be available here during this time and then after the service. And if you have something that you need to, to, to pray for with them, or if you'd like to accept Christ in your heart, I want you to take advantage of it here today. Let's all stand, and I just want to lead us in a prayer as we go before the Lord. God, I'm not smugly sitting here judging anyone. I, by my own nature, am the most greedy person in here. 
I thank you, Lord, that you meet our needs, that time and time again, you give us abundance. You give us more than we need. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see that, that you would be able to pry our hands from our possessions and that we would become a generous people in the same sense, in the same way you have been lavish to us, generous with your grace. It's only because of you, Jesus. It's only because of you that we have these things that we have. You're the one who quenches our thirst. You're the one who satisfies our hunger. And you're the one who robes us in righteousness. It's no doing of our own. And so God, we acknowledge that here today. And we pray that you would reveal to us our own hearts. Reveal to us where we need to grow. Reveal to us why you gave us the extra. We thank you, Father, for your patience with us. And I think of a, as a father of a, of a, a young child, how, how it must look to you when we when we kind of go our own way and we, 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 we use things to serve our own purposes. When you're teaching us, when you're giving us grace every single day, you're giving us in an abundance. You're providing for our needs. You're giving us not just daily bread, but more than that. And we consume it for ourselves. Lord, give us eyes like like children to see you as a loving father and to be able to learn this lesson by the power of your spirit. We thank you, Father, for your love, that you do love us like children and you are a good, good father. And so we worship you here today and we praise you for your faithfulness. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Very excited to introduce to you this morning, uh, my friend Ashley, come on in, yep. So Ashley came to the Brock Gill show a couple weeks ago, the week after Easter, I believe, and at the Brock Gill show, she gave her life to Christ. And so, So she's been coming to engage on Sunday nights, and she came to the spring retreat, and I've got a chance to get to know Ashley, and I'm just super excited about this and super honored to be a part of this. So she's going to publicly confess and profess her faith through the sacrament of baptism this morning. So I'm going to ask you to repeat the great confession after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And my personal Lord and Savior. And my personal Lord and Savior. It's on this confession of faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on out, Ava. I want to introduce you guys to my friend Ava. 
Ava is one of our fifth graders up in Quest Kids, and it has been a joy and a privilege to watch her grow in her faith. And uh, she has an amazing servant's heart. She's always willing to help with younger kids or however we need it. And today is the day she has decided to publicly declare her faith. So Ava, just like with Ashley, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, okay? I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. And my personal Lord and Savior. And my personal Lord and Savior. By these words, I baptize you. All right. can't think of a better way to end the service. We want you guys to have an amazing day. Let's close in prayer. Uh, Father God, thank you for um, young uh, men and women willing to publicly declare you to the next generation. We pray that uh, as a church, we can do everything in our power to mentor them and help them grow in their faith, and that uh, we declare our faith with as much courage in our communities and neighborhoods. In your name we pray. Amen. Go and have an amazing day.